Well, if you turn with me in your copy of the scriptures to the Gospel of John, we as a congregation enjoy celebrating many new years. We celebrate Rosh Hashanah. We celebrate um, various other months. And then in our culture, we celebrate a brand new year, which we have just entered. And one thing that I think is uh, increasingly so in our lives is that with each passing year, the return of the Lord Yeshua gets closer and closer. And I have found that in times of spiritual awakening, in various moments that I've experienced times of spiritual awakening, when God draws near, when God is ready to do something, He creates a sense of anticipation and expectancy in His people. And He creates in us a longing for Himself, creates a people ready for Him and desiring Him. And as we look again into the Gospel of John today, we'll see that at the first coming this was true, when Yeshua first came. And I think we can see some parallels that will help us be ready in anticipating His return. So as we look to the Gospel of John, let's pray together. Father, open our eyes to see and create in us a desire for you and help us, Father, know you and love you and walk with you and long for the return of your Son. In Yeshua's name, amen. So in John chapter 1, we saw the last time that John began way before the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We saw that, that John was referring to Yeshua as the Word, and making it clear that Yeshua was alive long before Bethlehem, long before He appeared on the face of the earth, that He is God, face to face with God, that He was in the beginning and through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that was made and in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. And so John makes it very clear Yeshua is God and he will later in this chapter say that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is God becoming man. This is not some man attempting to become God. The distinction is very important. And then in verse 6, we see the preparations that God made for this momentous event, which he had predicted through the ages, the coming of the Messiah. In verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light and that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So he was giving 
witness to this light. In times of spiritual awakening and preparation for that, in times of anticipating the work of God, God has often used a man or a woman. God has sent a word. We don't, we don't know how this happened. We, we see the, the life of John and we are thrilled and amazed at this man, this man who is the greatest of the prophets. His life began supernaturally. We know he had godly parents of the priestly class, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we know that they were godly, that they prayed, that they were blameless in the sight of the Lord. And they were old and they were barren. And then in the wisdom of God, he came to Zechariah in his ministry. And he said, your wife is going to have a child and he will be the precursor to the Messiah. And we know the story of his birth. And it's, it's good to read again what happened in, in that life in, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke. We know that Zechariah was stricken and not, not able to speak because he did not believe the message that the angel Gabriel had brought. But then after his wife became pregnant, And after the nine months of carrying this child, the child was born. And everybody wanted to name him after his dad. And his dad took the writing tablet and said, his name is John. And immediately his mouth was opened. And he began to praise the Lord. And in verse 76 of Luke 1, we see what God spoke about this child prophetically through his dad. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will be, go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so the child grew and became strong in spirit when was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. This was the highest, the greatest of the prophets, John the Immerser, that he was the one who would prepare the ways, that he would work on behalf of the Father in the presence of the people and help them understand God's intention. God's intentions were to bring life, to bring forgiveness, to bring removal of sin, to bring tender mercy, and to bring light out of darkness and out of the shadow of death, and to bring peace. What a glorious and beautiful picture this was. And at some point in John's life, he left home, his parents being elderly, I have often wondered if God allowed them to go on to glory before John came to his place of public ministry. And knowing the end of John's life, perhaps that was a tender mercy if that was the case for them. But some time in that that going into the wilderness, as John 
spent time with the, the community of people that was looking for the Lord, God had spoken to him. God the Father had made it clear that you are going to be the one who will announce the Messiah and to prepare the way for him, that you will be a witness. And so it was, there was a man sent from God. And there's perhaps nothing more precious than for you and I to realize that our God delights to work with us in accomplishing of his purposes in our world. God could do it with angels. God could do it with himself. He doesn't need us to do that. But because God delights in the fellowship of his people, because he delights to involve us in what he's doing, he speaks to us and sends us into our world that we might share the glory of his person and the wonder of a relationship with him and to make him clearly known. We can never fully know who God is, all that he is, but we can always know enough of God to be in a relationship with him, to know that we can trust him. And the glory of knowing God is that there's always more to know about God and to experience of him. And so John came, a man sent by God. And I love his name. It's my middle name. God is gracious. John, a man sent by God to bear witness. As we move on through the text, we see in verse 15 that John bore witness of him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. God had revealed to John this Messiah. The coming Messiah would be God in the flesh. And perhaps he didn't fully understand that. But John knew that this person that was coming, this Messiah, just as John, the the writer of the gospel, the apostle, had written that in the beginning was the word, John, the immerser, the witness, said that he who comes after me is preferred before me because he was before me. He existed before me. In this Jewish culture, a person who was older and wiser was considered better than the newer. That's a flip of our culture. Our culture says the new is better. In this culture, the one that was before is better Literally, the good old days were really the good old days. And this is a statement that that although Messiah comes after John, the witness, that he is actually before John, and he is greater than and better preferred, as it is in the text, before John. John acknowledging the greatness of Yeshua. And as we continue to look at John's witness. We see in verse 19, he says, Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. Now, I don't know that any of us would ever be tempted to say, I am the Messiah. But occasionally, I kind of think that I could take God's place. There's times where I think maybe I could do this just a little bit better than God. Maybe maybe there's really something 
you know, unique about me that, that God just can't quite live up to. Now, I would never say that in the action I'm taking, but sometimes that can kind of creep into our minds. Sometimes it's possible for me to think more highly of myself than I ought. And it can happen for various reasons. But the glory of being a human being is to be able to say, I am created. God has given me gifts, but they are gifts that he has given. And I can use them and I can live and breathe and move only by him. And all the glory and the honor goes to him. And that's the beauty of John is that he doesn't claim to be more than he is. You know, we we have looked in the past about coming world rulers that are going to claim to be God. And it is laughable when we really think about it, a human being claiming to be God. But John is very clear in his relationship with God. He knows who he is. He's a human being. He's not the Messiah. And the religious leaders were wondering who he was because of his ministry. His ministry was one of immersing. And his ministry was calling people to recognize that the kingdom of God was coming and therefore repent and be immersed for the remission of your sin, confessing your sin, acknowledging your sin, the way that you have rebelled against God. John confessed and he did not deny I am not the Messiah. And they pressed him and they said, well, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet that Moses spoke about? And he answered, no. And then they said to him, well, who are you then? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? The religious leaders that are questioning him, the Jewish leaders, the priests, the Levites that have come from Jerusalem, perhaps they were genuinely desirous to know. Perhaps there was a genuine desire to know who was this person and what was his mission and why was he doing what he was doing. And it's important for us to ask that question too. Who are you, John? What are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? And it's, a, it's an important question that we always need to ask because God has given us the privilege and the responsibility to examine and to ask questions and to measure what's going on by what he says in his word. That is always important to do. And then John says in verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, a voice crying out and make straight the way of the Lord is my message. As the prophet Isaiah had said, Isaiah had spoken of this in in chapter 40 of his prophecy. It's good to turn there and look for a moment at the context. This is the part of Isaiah's prophecy that deals with 
the comfort for the people as if they had already gone into captivity. And the prophet says, comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 1. Verse 2, speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The context of John's ministry is the context from Isaiah that speaks of one preparing the way for a king to come. A king needed a smooth road to come into his realm. And that means, that is the picture of making straight in the desert a highway for our God where the valleys are raised up and the mountains are lowered where there's a smooth way. So there's no hindrance, no delay, no obstacle. And I have sometimes thought perhaps the, the, the valley being filled in, the mountain being brought low, perhaps we could view that in relationship to the knowledge of God as well. That there are things that we don't know about God that we need to know, that need to be filled in. There are misconceptions we have about God that need to be taken away, leveled down. That there's preparation, whatever it is, there's a preparation for the Lord's coming. A readiness, a smooth way so that he can come freely in his fullness without hindrance. And the purpose is that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. This was the calling that God had given to John the Immerser. He is a voice. He is one crying out. He is a voice in the wilderness. And he is crying out, make straight the way of the Lord. He is preparing the way for the Messiah. It is interesting that, that he refers to this prophecy in Isaiah. Preparing the way for the Lord happens through a person who has had a word from the Lord. It also happens as you and I are engaged with Scripture. I have often thought that the, the first of the year, especially the calendar year, is a good time to renew my desire to read the Word of God. I think that is a... I don't ever call them New Year's resolutions anymore. What I call them is prayer goals. Because I know that without God's intervention and help, it isn't going to happen. There are certain desires that God puts in our hearts. And uh, that becomes something that we ask God to do in our life. One of those for me is engaging the Word of God. In Psalm 119, the writer of the psalm says, Incline my heart to your word, and not to that which is empty and vain. And I found that to be a wonderful prayer to pray. And I have experienced God's answer to that prayer more and more over the years. 
as God inclines my heart to his word, to read it, to meditate on it, to think about it, to absorb it, and to benefit from it. John obviously was soaked in the scriptures. Somehow, I don't know if he had a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, perhaps he had the whole Tanakh. But he was engaged in the scriptures and he knew the scriptures. And often in in spiritual history, God uses his word to bring about an awakening and a readiness in life in our lives. I've thought about the the, the person of Nehemiah. And as, as he was helping the people, do you remember they got out the law and they read it together? They read it before the people. And it says that they read it from morning until afternoon and there were others around to explain the word. And then it says that the people were so touched by what they saw that they began to weep. And Nehemiah said, don't weep. This is not a time for weeping because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they determined to walk in the ways of God. There's something powerful about reading God's word that God works in our life when we encounter his word, when we intake his word. And there's so many ways that we can do that in our day. What a blessing we have from the so many different ways to encounter God through his word. This living and active and powerful word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword, that pierces to the very core of our being, dividing soul and spirit and joints and marrow, revealing the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts so that we could live life to the fullest in him. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And his word is like honey to us, a blessing. In keeping it, there is great reward. Sweeter than honey than the honeycomb is the word of God. John was soaked with the word of God. But I think also that John must have been a man of prayer. Spending all that time in the wilderness, you'd have a lot of time to talk with the Father. Prayer is another wonderful gift that God has given us. Again, I think of Nehemiah. Remember when he heard the news from Jerusalem that the walls were torn down and it was, it was in a terrible condition. And Nehemiah, the scripture says, spent time in weeping and fasting and praying before the Lord. And he did so for several months. And then God had begun to work so deeply in Nehemiah's heart that he birthed a plan And that plan was that he would ask the king to go to Jerusalem and to rebuild the walls. And indeed, he put that plan before the king at a moment when he could have actually forfeited his life because he came to the king's presence with a a sad countenance. And the king said, this can be none other than sadness of heart. What's the problem? And Nehemiah says he prayed And then he presented his request and the king gave him permission to go back and to rebuild Jerusalem. So John has come 
He is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, soaked with the word of God. He is a man who has been in prayer. He is living according to God's design. And it says that he was making straight the paths of the Lord, preparing people for the coming of the Lord. In verse 24 of John chapter 1, it says, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him, saying, If you're not Elijah, the Messiah, the prophet, why are you immersing if you are not any of these? And this is the answer that John gave in verse 26. I immerse with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. Once again, John refers to the greatness of the one coming after him. And he says that his whole ministry is to make clear who this coming one is. This speaks wonderfully of our Messiah. Our Messiah fully God and yet also fully human, fully man. And Messiah would not be recognized if we just looked at him as a human being. He was as fully human as you and I could be and as you and I are. And there was nothing, Isaiah says in chapter 53, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, no special attractiveness to him physically. But John came to reveal him through the immersion of water. And then John again says that he's preferred before me because he was before me, and he's sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. The rabbis had written that it was appropriate for a disciple to serve a rabbi. But the one thing the disciple was exempt from doing was loosing the strap of the rabbi's sandal. That was reserved for the slave. And John says, this one who is coming after me is so glorious that I'm not even worthy to undo the leather strap that ties on his sandal. I'm not even worthy to do that. The greatness of our Messiah. The Father prepares the way through his servant, John. The Father makes his way known to him somehow that we don't know of, but perhaps through scripture and times of prayer. And then the servant comes and he is revealing the Messiah. The Messiah, the one who was the eternal word, who became flesh, who dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He gives us of his fullness, of his fullness we have all received, grace for grace, Grace upon grace upon grace. Our God is a gracious God. He gives us his blessing, not because we earn it or deserve it, but because he is gracious 
and because he invites us into a love relationship with him by faith in his Messiah. The law was given through Moses. There is no but in this sentence in verse 17. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Yeshua the Messiah. Our God has given us the glory of the law and he has given us grace and truth in Yeshua. Our God has heaped grace upon grace to us. The Father and the Son working together to reveal life, a relationship with him that is full and glorious. And John is coming at the head, preparing people for this glorious relationship. Then in verse 28, we read that these things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan where John was immersing. And then in verse 29, the next day, John saw Yeshua coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I sometimes wonder as we, as we think of John's life, perhaps he was looking for that glorious and powerful Messiah. The, the images in the Tanakh mesh together where you have both the suffering servant of Isaiah, but you also have the glorious king is, is depicted there as well. And you have the, the one who is born in the humility of Bethlehem, but he has been from all ages. And he is the one that, that the people will look on because they have pierced him and they will mourn for him as an only son, but in him is the fountain of life. And you have him bringing in, the Messiah bringing in the glorious age. And so these two pictures of the Messiah were meshed together. Perhaps John was focusing on the one that would be the, the Messiah who would rescue from Roman oppression. But as time went on, it seems like he became more clear that the Messiah was to be the one who would give his life. And in, in, in this moment, when he sees Yeshua coming, he bears witness and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, the gentle Lamb of God, the one who is like the Passover Lamb, the one who is like the daily sacrifice lamb without blemish and without spot, the one who is like the sacrifices on Yom Kippur, this is the one who will take away the sin of the world. In verse 30, John says that this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him. He was right there. John did not know him, did not know who he was. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came immersing with water. And John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to immerse with water, said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who immerses with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. A marvelous mystery. 
that our one true God is Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father sent the Son, and the Son reveals the glory of the Father. That's what it says in verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. He has made Him known. The Son sent, is sent by the Father, but the Son reveals the Father. And then the Spirit reveals the Son, makes clear who the Son is, who the Messiah is. John would not have known Him just by looking at the human appearance. It is an act of revelation that John knew him. It is an act of revelation on God's part that you and I know God, that we know the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It is not something that you and I could figure out on our own. We could not do that. It is an act of God's grace, grace upon grace, that we know God. He has revealed Him to us. He has revealed it to us through the Scriptures and through the Spirit. The Spirit came upon Yeshua at his immersion, descended upon him like a dove, not a dove, like a dove, from heaven, and remained on him, constantly abiding on him. What a, what a beautiful picture. And he is the one who will immerse us in that same spirit. The blessing that God intends to bring through the Messiah that you and I would be totally immersed in God. Do you realize that? That in our relationship with the Father through the Son, by the Spirit, we are totally immersed in God. That we have received Him. He came to live in us. We are never alone again. Never orphans. Yeshua said, I will send a helper, a comforter, another just like me who will is with you now and he will come to live in you. That is what the Messiah has come to do. That is the interaction of, of what the one true and living God does for us to bring us into relationship with him. That is what John is bearing witness to. That the Father has sent the Son and the Spirit confirms who the Son is. That He is the Son of God. That He is God of God, begotten, not made. I thank God for the ministry of His Spirit. John will speak more of the ministry of the Spirit, especially on that last night, Yeshua spoke a lot about the Spirit, said that He is the one who would testify about Yeshua and we would join Him in His testimony. He is the one that convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Of sin because they haven't believed Him, of righteousness because Yeshua is leaving, of judgment because the evil one has been dealt a final lethal blow. He is the one who leads us into all truth. He is called the Comforter, the Helper, the Counselor, the One called alongside to help. And His presence means that God never leaves us, never forsakes us, 
not ever. He comes to dwell in us forever and ever and ever. One author I have read says that when the Spirit of God is in you, He brings heaven. And so when you experience the Spirit of God, you experience at least a foretaste of heaven. That is true for all of us in Messiah. So John is a man sent by God to prepare the way, to reveal the Messiah. And the Father and the Son and the Spirit work together to reveal life as it was intended to be. Life in which we are cleansed from our sins. We are forgiven. We are in a relationship with the God who piles grace on our life, grace after grace after grace. That is what God intends for us. And so you can imagine, if we take a moment to think forward to that moment when Yeshua comes again, what will that be like when you and I will experience the fullness of our salvation? That is worth looking forward to. And the way we look forward to it is I think the same way, the way we prepare, prayer, prepare for it is the same way that John prepared for it. It is that we are involved in the scriptures. We are involved in communicating with God. We are involved in helping others see that Yeshua is the Messiah. We are involved in carrying out the assignment that God has given us, whatever that is, just like John was. And as we are, you and I, along with Shaul, can say that there is waiting for us a crown of righteousness, and there is waiting a crown of righteousness for everyone who is looking forward to, longing for the return of Yeshua. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for preparing our hearts to know you. We thank you for the ministry of revelation that you bestow upon us. We thank you for the scriptures and for the privilege of communion with you. We thank you for Yeshua, our glorious Messiah, who is worthy of our praise, the Lamb who has taken away our sin. We thank you, Father, for the presence of your Spirit who is holy in our lives. And we thank you for the promise of the soon return of Yeshua. May we as a congregation be ready, watching, and fulfilling the assignment you've given us, enjoying you to the fullest, and sharing you with joy with those around us. To you again be all the honor and the glory and the praise. Even so, come quickly, Lord Yeshua. Amen.